Pink Midnight. Pink Midnight. Pink Midnight. Death Ride to Osaka. Death Trap to Osaka. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pink Midnight. Uh, today we're talking about a film called Death Ride to Osaka. This was a made-for-TV film starring uh, Jennifer Jason Lee and Jillian and Tom Bird, uh, among other actors as well, including uh, Mako, who was in Conan the Barbarian and The Killer Elite. And uh, it is advertised as a, deadly, a story of deadly seduction inspired by true events. Stardom is her dream, it says on the cover, and her nightmare. And again, this was a made-for-TV movie. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee is uh, commended, you know, repeatedly as giving a really vulnerable and moving performance. And she does give a really magical performance. She is trying to achieve stardom, and she's trying to practice her craft as a musician and there's something really heartbreaking about the way that she sings a lot of people were emphasizing how she isn't really the greatest singer but she means it and there's a certain charm to her voice that is really haunting I don't know I keep hearing her voice after watching this film a few times Death Ride to Osaka uh, there's a quote from the Detroit Free Press on the back covers the grim, tawdry subject of white slavery, convincingly and with style, while displaying an entertaining B-movie energy, has a gritty, authentic atmosphere, lays never less than believable, Kaplan has a real feel for the jagged emotions of life lived on the edge. Uh, Jonathan Kaplan is known for doing the film Over the Edge, which I hope to cover at a certain point on Pink Midnight. It's a film I haven't seen for sometime, but I want to revisit that and really study that. Uh, so just a little synopsis, and then I'll go into kind of my own thoughts about it. Uh, this is the synopsis just from the back of the Blu-ray. And this was released by uh, Fun City Editions, which is a partner label with Vinegar Syndrome, and just looks outstanding. I mean, there's some shots from the original TV movie, how it might have appeared on TV screens, and it's very blurry, and the color looks all wrong. And this is just such a vibrant transfer. It looks amazing. Los Angeles diner waitress Carol, Jennifer Jason Lee, Fast Times at Ridgemont High and The Hateful Eight, longs to have a career as a singer. When she answers an ad seeking girls, singers, and dancers and is immediately hired to work in a nightclub in Tokyo, she thinks her lifelong dream has been realized. What she finds when she arrives at the White Orchid is that her singing comes second to satisfying the sexual needs of the club's wealthy and powerful clientele. Carol is not alone in this nightmare scenario, and amongst the many American women being held captive, she gains a guardian and mentor in the older Marilyn and Jillian from TV's It's a Living and Broadway's Sugar Babies. All the while, Carol's army veteran boyfriend, Thomas Bird from Young Guns 2, races to find her. Seasoned character actors, Soon Tech Oh from Disney's Mulan and The Man with the Golden Gun, 
and Mako from Conan the Barbarian and the Killer Elite bring palpable menace to their roles as the bosses of this criminal enterprise. The story was based on real events and harks back to the pre-code women's pictures of the 1930s. It's been updated to include the colorful, flashy neon of early 80s Japan, more overt sex and a period-specific new wave score and songs by Brad Fidel uh, from Terminator and Fright Night fame. Those songs are sung by the famously method-inspired Lei, who gives her all to the emotional and elaborate musical set pieces. Cult filmmaker Jonathan Kaplan, Over the Edge and White Line Fever, directs with the mix of brio and economy that he honed early in his career on the drive-in hits he made for Roger Corman. The film originally aired on NBC on November 28, 1983, as Girls the White Orchid. It is presented here in its more explicit European version under its original production title, Death Ride to Osaka. Restored in 4K from its original camera negative, it is offered in both widescreen and 4.3 aspect ratios. So, uh, some notes and thoughts about Death Ride to Osaka. And I do have a kind of a, like a letter. Um, I'm trying to write in such a way when looking at these films as if I'm stepping into the film themselves, somehow becoming part of them as I'm writing about them, viewing them, and trying to communicate with the characters in some way, but also to enhance it, hopefully, in some way. She will smoke until the end of the night. Go behind the red curtain to have your fortunes read. Some kind of song you could sing. Also to, after being a waitress, shipped off to Osaka, maybe. Jennifer Jason Lee's fragile beauty is like a glass Christmas ornament. A cruel and merciless fate. Certain films hold devastating emotional truths, like this film. Dear whoever and departed family, I've been lost in Osaka these past centuries, looking for a cold escape, like getting hit by a car or going to jail. A tattooed spider called my name beneath the pulsing neon dragon of the entry sign. You can call all the kamikazes for all I care, but they shot me up with heroin and carried me under a blue pagoda. I wanted to travel to the Orient to kill men sultry with the siren's call of my voice. I stayed innocent. I truly slayed the ghost of all desire. I'm back, intact and pure. I as yet believe in the love and will never turn my back to be shot by Yakuza bullets ever again. So we learn in the commentary that uh, Vic Morrow, who was Jennifer Jason Lee's father, unfortunately died during the filming of the Twilight Zone movie um, in a horrible way. And this was shortly after this happened that Jennifer Jason Lee was filming this movie. So I think she was dealing with the trauma of that. And in the director's commentary, um, it's not the director, it's a different guy's commentary. But the director also mentions this fact, is that, uh, you know, she was really suffering. And when they do use the prop gun in the film, she was struggling with that. Um, 
Van Heflin, who was a actor we talked about earlier in the show on a different episode when we were talking about um, Joseph Losey's picture. Uh, you know, he was in that. So um, that's interesting. That's a kind of a connection there. Uh, Kaplan also studied with Martin Scorsese. So Kaplan um, did Over the Edge, Heart Like a Wheel, White Line Fever, Truck Turner. Uh, some of those I have not seen I'd like to check those out. They seem to be all kind of uh, low-budget miracles. Heart Like a Wheel is something I've heard brought up on a couple different podcasts as well. I'd like to check that one out. Apparently the sign that was supposed to read White Orchid actually read uh, White Onion. Or maybe it was White Garlic. Uh... The Ruling Class um, was a film that was brought up as well. There are a couple stolen shots, shots stolen without permission as well. Uh, Because uh, this is an interesting story that Jonathan Kaplan tells during the production. Apparently there was a guy who went to do the location uh, scouting and he was supposed to be setting everything up in Japan, and he uh, had 13 years of sobriety, but then he fell off the wagon and started to um, just drink the whole time and didn't set anything up. So Jonathan Kaplan and a couple other people had to scramble and figure out the locations and do all this other pre-production work in a couple of days when you know, this guy was supposed to have been doing it for four weeks. So I guess when the network saw the fil- the footage and stuff, they were kind of... Um, like, where's the production value here? And, you know, he said, well, we got what we could get. I mean, just, it was kind of a disaster. So, and there are a lot of clever shots throughout this made-for-TV movie. And, like I said, the transfer is so impeccable that it really brings it to life. Although, you know, there are some politically correct, incorrect aspects to it as well. Uh, They also bring up another film that Jennifer Jason Lee was part of called Georgia, which I believe I'd seen quite a long time ago. And apparently it's sort of known for the fact that uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, you know, wasn't the greatest singer, but her character plays a singer in that, and that kind of uh, adds to that character. But I do dimly remember that, some sort of like, grunge era type of singer and she was like the kind of wayward sister and there was another sister who was more on track and she's more the tragic uh, wayward sister and I remember thinking that her performance was strong in that as well I actually worked on a film that Jennifer Jason Lee was in so I did see her in real life at one point and she was very Professional, but seemed very withdrawn, not terribly sociable, but brought a real power to the film. And everybody was saying that she was a real talent, a real raw talent. She would have very minimal requests, but apparently she wanted total silence for a couple minutes sometimes before they would shoot. So I think just for her to get into the zone. And she does 
mean, without her, I don't know if we'd be talking about this film today. But with her, we, we are. Girls of the White Orchid, as I mentioned before, was the original title. And yeah, we, we talked about that, the issue with white par- a Yellow Peril and White Slavery as well. It's described at one point, this movie, as a pulp novel of the 1930s, like kind of a Fu Manchu type of movie, but with 80s shoulder pads, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, the commentator also says, movies are like the dreams of our culture, which I loved. So if a film shows some aspect of our culture, a film is like a hallucination of our culture, a film is this ineffable ineffable cloud of smoke from our culture. It's sort of an emanation from our culture, not wholly uh, thought through, but just kind of like a breath from our culture, a collective breath. I love that idea. Uh, not a great... Not a great film, he says, but a place in time. And that does feel like a good way of describing it, like an accurate way of describing it. But again, we have Jennifer Jason Lee's performance, which makes it more than that. Uh, you couldn't do a movie about yellow fever and too much melodrama was another idea that he had. And the pulp trope of the fallen woman is very prevalent in this film. Uh, during the Kaplan interview, you know, he talks about that story I mentioned with, uh, the Japanese crew kind of talking about how lousy the film is and how, how dare they have all these stereotypes and how lame and archaic it is. And that was actually, you know, cut from the, I think when they televised it, he said, and there's a pretty good video essay as well by another woman who does this cool thing where she does certain clips in slow motion. And it's kind of a poetic little video essay, just her reflecting on the power of the film. Uh, she says at one point how when Jennifer Jason Lee's, J- Jason Lee's performing the sort of one of the main songs in the film uh, in Tokyo about how she seems to have transcended the lyrics from when she was back singing it in her apartment and she's looking at the photos of her presumably ex-boyfriend or ex-fiance. We're not really sure what they were before, but they're no longer together. But yet he comes to Tokyo looking for her. And this was, you know, based upon a true story. So that did actually happen. Although apparently in the true story, he uh, was just kind of like intense with the embassy and got her got her back through that way. Whereas in this one, he's more like a Chuck Norris kind of figure, not quite that uh, athletic, but he kind of goes for the jugular, we'll say. But anyway, the the video essayist mentions how she's transcending the lyrics, which are, we live our separate dreams, we go our separate ways. And it's a really melancholy song. Just I think it's the performance that makes it melancholy, not so much the lyrics, which are kind of... eh, I mean, I think the lyrics are actually pretty moving, too, just not... uh, 
you know, the most unique but very direct. And, you know, lyrics can be moving without being overly poetic, definitely. So I like the song. Thank you for tuning in to Pink Midnight. Thank you for tuning in to Pink Midnight. We hope you have enjoyed your stay in this haunted hotel, in this abandoned palace, in this opulent field of nowhere grass.